Uh, would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Chronicles 22? 1 Chronicles 24 will bring an end to our study in 1 Chronicles. And the rest of this has to do with uh, the preparation for the temple. And, it's, and David is directly involved with this, as we will see going through these chapters. First Chronicles leads into, of course, Second Chronicles, which goes into um, Solomon's reign. But there's a little gap there that is given to us in First Kings, which describes the death of David, the final days and death of David. And then First Kings and Second Chronicles will have quite a bit of parallel texts and we'll, God willing, we'll try to handle those like we've handled First Chronicles and Second uh, Samuel. All right, so here we go. Resources for the task that will come in Solomon's reign to build the temple. Everything works by the sovereign will and word of God. David acknowledges that. David said, this is the house of Yahweh Elohim. This is the house of the Lord God. This is the altar for burnt offerings for Israel. David ordered to gather the strangers who were in the land of Israel. And he stationed hewers to hew wrought stone to build the house of Elohim, the house of God, the temple. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the couplings, and copper in abundance without weight, and cedar trees without number, for the Zidonians and the Tyrians, the Tyrians bought cedar trees in a brought cedar trees in abundance. To David. Now these were nations and surrounding peoples who were friendly to King David and he was friendly to them. So there were those who were bringing the best of what they could give as part of uh, the building process. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender. And the house to be built for Yahweh must be magnified on high for fame and for glory to all lands. I shall therefore now make preparation for him. And David prepared in abundance before his death. And he called Solomon his son and commanded him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel, Yahweh Elohim Yisrael. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my heart to build a house in the name of my God, Yahweh Elohi, Elohi, Yahweh Elohi. But the word of Yahweh, now this is the sovereign will and word of God here. But the word of Yahweh was upon me saying, you have shed much blood. You have waged great wars. You shall not build a house in my name. Because you have shed much blood to the ground before me. Behold, a son will be born to you. He will be a man of peace. And I shall give him peace from all his enemies round about. For Solomon will be his name. 
and I shall give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house in my name, and he shall be to me as a son, and I to him as a father, and I shall prepare the throne of his kingdom forever. Of course, he's son of David, so the son of David will always be on the throne in the house of David. Solomon is the next one in line. So all of this is in line with the will and word of Yahweh. Of course, David is not going to fight that. David, more than anything at this point in his life, wanted to build this temple. We've seen why. We've seen in previous chapters how the people were getting to be and, and so forth. And there was a growing need and those who were really uh, spiritually attuned to Yahweh, they knew there was a growing need for this temple. Now that Israel has come together and um, the city of David is the, is the capital uh, at the time of Israel, later on it'll be the capital of Judah, it's, it's apparent that the Spirit of God is moving upon the leadership, namely David and then Solomon, to build this temple. So I think it's, it's worth remembering how Solomon, how David prepared everything. Solomon would just order the work to begin and then he would oversee the work, and then he would dedicate the temple. But David really laid the preparation uh, in every way imaginable. So the reason has been stated here, and we have already seen in other parts how that Yahweh had said to David much earlier in his reign as king, I, I taught your hands to do battle, your fingers to go to war and, and your feet to run. And God gave him a spirit as a warrior, which began developing in him. And David makes this testimony. It began to develop in him as a shepherd boy. He grew to realize that even though the odds seemed to be too great for a little shepherd boy to handle he was always more than equal to the task, the bear, the jackal, and all of those wild animals uh, where David would protect his flock. And that same kind of shepherd uh, persona deeply embedded in the, in, in the, the soul of David is strong within him as he becomes a leader, he was very careful to take care of his people. He never really thought that much about his own safety. Uh, he, never, he never thought that much about building up his own riches as a king. He wanted everyone to prosper. He wanted to take care of his flock, Israel. In order to do that, at that point in Israel's history, David had to be a man of war. The work of 
the, the will and the purpose of God, which leads into the work of his people, is such that he prepares his people along the way in certain ways to fulfill a calling and a need for the work of God at a particular point in time. David was the man who had to win the wars. David was the man who had to subdue the enemies of Israel. David, and we've seen this, we've studied his life for so many weeks. He was a warrior. He was unafraid. He was courageous. Uh, he was such a warrior that the people closest to him, when he fell faint in the heat of battle, his people closest to him finally said, look, it's not going to do Israel any good at all if you fall on the battlefield. You need to, the time has come for you need just to retire and not wield your sword anymore and let, let your mighty men whom God has given you, let us take that task. So David was, from the time he stood before the giant, well, even before then, when he stood before wild animals, David has always been courageous. He knew how to fight battles. He had, he, had, he had had every kind of experience imaginable in the life of someone who was opposed by the enemy, Satan. And all of these people that he went to war with, they were all just inspired by Satan. Especially when the covenant came to David, Satan was there to oppose the covenant, try to, try to discredit David or kill him if he could. So David has been the man of war and this is what God prepared him for and this is what God would use him for in the grand scheme and economy of the kingdom of God as the concept and scheme of the kingdom moves through history. In David's time, he secured the borders. He brought pros prosperity uh, to the people and he brought great wealth into the nation. Therefore, it is not his call, it is not the call of God upon his life to be the one to build the temple. It's going to have to be a man of, of peace, a man of great <clears throat> intelligence and wisdom, but a man of, of peace. God says you have, you have blood, you've spilled the blood on the ground, much blood before me. It's going to take a man of peace. Let me say this. This is an observation. It, it may be true. I think it is because it's my observation. It may not be true. At which point I will be forced to apologize at the judgment seat of Christ. But I think it's, I think my observation is true. At which point a lot of people are going to have to apologize to me. <laughs> we come into the, God's call, Paul writes about this in Ephesians. 
God's call has wrapped up in it our works. Saved to good works. If you think of what I try to do at Shiloh, think of everything else. I can't do those things. I don't mean I'm going to do it all. What I mean is I would be as lost as a ball in high weeds if I tried to venture outside the resources God has given to me personally as a Christian. Whatever God has equipped me to do. And I can tell you this as well. It takes, it takes years and years for a servant of God to grow in to the point where that servant of God will say, I can do this. I will pour my life into it and I will do it as well as I can. But I can't do that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, hamstrung in a lot of ways, most every way. But I love to study. I love to read it, study it, put it together and try to teach it and proclaim it. But if you put me in some other role, I remember, I remember I was at a particular church and a very large church from a very large city. Well, medium sized city, but very large downtown First Baptist Church. They were interested in me and they came a couple of times to where I was, but then I was rejected finally because the, the big dog on the committee didn't like me. I didn't wear wingtip shoes. And that's the truth. That's the truth. I didn't wear wingtip shoes. <laughs> okay. Thank God I didn't go there. There was another church. We were first contacted. They invited us down to their Christmas thing. And, and uh, the committee was ready to call me to the church. But a beloved deacon chairman of many, many years had died. They die, you know. But his widow was invited to the final dinner. I guess I had to be coronated by the, I don't know. And she started popping me with questions. And I just had to tell her, well, no, I, that's, that's not something that I do very well. The next day, I was out of it. Just out of it. Well, you just, you know, I didn't answer this lady in the correct way. Because I was beginning to get into the position where I realized I can do this, but I can't do that. You know, a man has 24 hours in a day and he has to sleep seven or eight of those. Um, and he has to have some family time and all this kind of stuff. I was beginning to realize that I couldn't do everything. I, uh, there was a church 
There was a church where I pastored one time and they stayed after me to join the Civitan Club, the uh, Masonic Lodge, uh, two or three other things that just, that's what our pastors do. I said, I don't know anything about that stuff. I, can't, I don't do that, you know. And I didn't know that much about the Masonic Lodge. You're not supposed to know much about it, I guess. But when they told me that my wife couldn't go with me, I said, that's a, that's, that's a deal breaker. I mean, if she can't go with me, why do I, why, what business do I have there? Right? So I made it there and stayed there several years. But one guy in particular, well, probably several people, but this one guy didn't like me that much. And he told me, he said, you know, you, you, you're missing out on a lot of, of opportunities because you're not a Mason. I never, he never explained that to me and I didn't ask. Here's my point. God brings us into the world and then gives us his irresistible call of grace and draws us to himself and places the Holy Spirit, baptizes us into the body of Christ. And we are who we are in Christ. And when we were called into our salvation, the infancy of our equipment as Christians was already there, working itself. And it begins it begins to rise in your life, in your Christian life, above other things. As a matter of fact, at least in my experience, you get on and on and on and on in years, you will find that that particular thing in life really is ahead of anything. It doesn't matter whether it's in church or out of church. This is God's call. So it was with David. Can you see the point I'm making? It started when he went out against Goliath and they tried to put Saul's armor on him. And we cannot wear Saul's armor. Saul can wear it, but not us. And how David's method of fighting would have been greatly hindered if he tried to put on armor. He had to be able to move and sling that rock. But he wouldn't have been able to do that if he had put on that armor. You see, what God equips you to do can be hindered if you try to float too far away from it. Pressure, pressure from whatever, wherever. Each of us has a distinct calling in our lives. To the glory of God, for the work of the kingdom on planet earth presently in our hearts. That's the way it is. You will even see it in the ranks of angels. There's one archangel, there's Michael. There's not another archangel in the Bible. There's one. There are cherubim, very awesome, powerful group of angels. There were five originally. One of them fell. He is now Satan. 
But there are four just like him who are unfallen, and they bear up the Melchabah chariot throne of Christ. There are the seraphim, the burning ones, cherubim, the living ones. They exude with life because they have those four faces of the different orders of creatures. And the seraphim apparently appear to be burning as they chant, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so Gabriel did what Gabriel did. When you look in the book of the Revelation, there are trumpet angels. There's a strong angel. I don't know. I don't think it's Michael. There's a strong angel who couldn't break the seal. Trumpet angels and, and there are bowl angels who bring forth these urns from out of the temple that is in heaven. There is an angel of the sun, S-U-N, who cranks it up and makes it hotter or can turn it down and make it cooler and it affects the judgment of God, how God is judging on planet earth. Now I could go on and on with this. Those are biblical examples of the order and ranks of angels. The trouble came in heaven and you have to go to the Greek text. I'm not going to do that all, but the trouble came when a third of them decided they didn't want to do what God created them to do. Most of them are in Tartarus now in the lower compartment of hell. Some of them are bound at the Euphrates River. So many of them in the abyssos, the abyss, the pit. But then there are some that follow Satan around. Now, you see, even in God's heaven, what the language teaches us in the New Testament is that fallen angels didn't want to keep themselves in the place where God put them that they might work to the glory of God. So they were, of course, defeated. Now, it would have been a mess if David tried to build that temple. It would have been a mess if Solomon just was always required to go to war all the time. You know, the kings, these other rulers in the world came to him for advice and, and understanding about things. We're told that in the scriptures. When you look at what his army looked like, their shields and their, their, their armor were, you know, gold, shining, just... You wouldn't think of a guy sending warriors out all the time to war, dressing them up in gold and all these expensive accoutrements that were on his uh, soldiers. He had a different, it was a different day 
It was a different resource. And this is how God is showing this. You shall not build a house in my name because you're the warrior. And you had to shed blood. But you'll have a son. Now notice the will and the purpose of God. I will give him peace from all of his enemies around about. God assumes all of this upon himself, you see. This is what he did. So then, I preached that one completely dead. Okay, we'll see if I can click from there. David's pastoral advice on this matter. Did I do that or did you? Ha. See, this is what I was called to do. <laughs> now, my son, may Yahweh be with you. And you shall prosper and you shall build the house of the Lord your God. Yahweh, as he spoke of you. See that? As he spoke of you. As he spoke of you. This will be the first Mother's Day. I'm 70 years old. This is the first Mother's Day that I will not have a mother in this world. Many times, starting with when I was very, very young, mother would tell me of how as I was being born, she prayed to God for me that God would use me and take care of me. My mother lost her first child and the doctor's report was she would never have another baby. She had four more. I was the last, <laughs> and last of all, there was me as one born out of due season. Um, you know, I, I've told you this, that I was so ugly, she used to have to borrow a baby to carry to church. And so when she took one look at me, she was done. I thought, oh man, I don't Anyway, really, she did. She prayed for me, and she told me that all along, how she prayed for me when I was being born, all the way through uh, the process of delivering, and it was, lot, it was a lot different. From what I understand, it's a lot different than it is now. So my mother had this prayer and this blessing upon my life that God would be with me and that he would use me in the way that he saw fit. Now, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I, was, I was kind of a stinker for many years. And um, I'm sure mother often questioned her her prayer life, having to give me all those whippings and warnings and stuff that I endured and went through, and I deserved every one of them, looking back on it. But you know, the time comes, as Paul said, when I became a man, I put away those childish things. 
Here, David says to Solomon, Yahweh be with you and you shall prosper. You will build the house of the Lord your God as he spoke of you. But may Yahweh give you intelligence and understanding and may he command you over Israel to keep the law of the Lord your God. Yahweh Then you will prosper if you will observe if you observe to perform the statutes and judgments that Yahweh commanded Moses over Israel, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Once, once the call of God is clear in your life, don't be afraid of anything. Don't be arrogant. But do what God has placed you to do and equipped you to do. The Spirit of God will make you realize it. It takes a while, it takes a while, but the Spirit of God does it all for you. And here, David is telling Solomon how Yahweh has commanded and how Yahweh's word rests on him. It is the irrevocable word of God. You can't, you can't beat that. Then you'll prosper, he says. Don't be afraid. Don't ever be afraid. And behold, into my poverty, I prepared for the house of Yahweh. Now, let me explain. That's an interesting Hebrew phrase. Maybe, maybe some translations are, are into my trouble or something like that. Here's what David is saying. <laughs> David is saying, I have spent everything I had. To lay the preparation for this temple. That's what he's saying. Into my poverty. I prepared for the house of Yahweh. 100,000 talents of gold. That's a, that's a lot of money. <laughs> a thousand thousand talents of silver. And of copper and iron without weight. So much of it I couldn't weigh it. For it was in abundance. And I prepared wood and stones. And you shall add to them. And with you in abundance are workmen, hewers, and workers in stone and wood, every skillful person in every type of work. Okay. It is God's will for Solomon to build this temple. And God will handle all of the details, all of these people, all of these preparations, all of these supplies, the money that's laid aside that's going to have to be spent, all of these things. All of these are prepared and they are prepared, he says, in abundance because it is the will and word of God and nothing's going to stop it. Nothing. So now comes what I call David's practical impetus. This, he, has, he has this forceful, he says, of gold, of silver, of copper and of iron, there is no number. I've laid that stuff aside until I can't even tell you how much there is out there waiting for you. Arise and do, and may Yahweh be with you. Verse 16, what David is saying to Solomon, I'm not going to sell your old comic books. That's a, that's a story to itself. One of my comic books that was in those sacks, my daddy just threw them away. 
one of those comic books, a, a copy just like it, another one, sold several years ago in an auction for $240,000. I had that thing. <laughs> it has turned to dirt in the garbage heap of Gadsden, Alabama. And that was just one. It was not God's will. Uh. So here's what he's saying in verse 16. I'm, I'm not going to sell you comic books. I'm going to give you more of what you don't have. And David commanded all the princes of Israel to aid his son Solomon. I mean, everything is going to be prepared. Everybody's going to be in line. They're going to be in order. All the stuff is going to be there. Is not the Yahweh Elohim, is not the Lord your God with you. He will give you peace all around, for he has delivered into my hands the inhabitants of the land. And the land has been conquered before Yahweh and before his people. I did that so that you won't have to. This was God's will for my life. And now put your hearts and your souls to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of Yahweh Elohim to bring the ark of the covenant of Yahweh and the holy vessels of Elohim into the house that is to be built in the name of Yahweh. God takes care of it. God takes care of it. Going to stop there and have our deacon prayer time.